ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Kurt, PBT Extra, um, a lot has happened since the last time we spoke uh, in the NBA world at large. But before we get into that, how are you doing? How are you I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm back to writing about, well, I mean, there's still some drama, but like getting to write about basketball again and going to media days and just being, you know, Back in the groove again has been nice. It's kind of, it's just kind of, it's kind of my sweet spot. We're kind of back in it as opposed to the, uh, the off season, which seemed, it was the regular length. I'm just used to such short ones the last couple of years that it like threw me off at the end. What about you, man? You've been traveling around with Notre Dame and, and, and like doing a lot with them and with for NBC now. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great doing the Indian NBC podcast. Uh, I also, um, just like as a personal thing, I've been studying a lot of film recently. I've been doing a lot of like, you know, like Lawrence Olivier, like I've been diving deep into Orson Welles, but I also been diving deep into like Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Streisand. I, I just never watched any of like Barbara Streisand's movies or like listened to any of her albums. It's just been mind blowing. I watched Funny Girl for the first time this week and I was up till like 1.30 in the morning just astonished. Like I couldn't believe it. Like I, I like sat there, like the credits rolled and I just sat there in front of my phone. I watched my phone for like an hour. I could not fathom that one person could be that talented. I mean, I was astonished. It's a legendary movie. She's a, she's a legendary actress with, by the way, a few fans in New York. So like, you're not alone there, man. I know I might just start going into song just for people. You know, I might start singing right now, uh, but don't rain on my parade. It's interesting because uh, a lot has happened in, in um, the, the NBA, uh, one thing that is to the forefront, you know, the, the Celtics, who championship contenders, um, ended up having their head coach, Ime Udoka, uh, suspended for a year after a months long investigation by an outside law firm. Uh, it, it's interesting because we had different reports. At first, you know, a report came out, then it was scrubbed, yeah. and then something else just said violation of team rules, no elaboration on what those team rules are. Um, but now the Celtics are in an interesting position. Uh, where do you think? Uh, the Celtics' chances are for when the championship stand now. They're, they're worse than they were, and it's not going to get easier for them. I mean, I'm not going to go into the details I've heard, but uh, talking to people around the league and, and sources, it's a messy situation. It is an ugly situation, and I think their concern is, and a legitimate one, is that bits and pieces start to leak out, and this story never really dies and it just keeps bothering you know it's a distraction all season long for a team with Joe Mazzulla now the head coach this was a championship you said it's a championship contender taken over by a popular assistant coach but a guy whose only head coaching experience is at D2 level 
Like it's a huge ask for this guy to come in and take over for Emi Odoka, who had not only spent a lot of years on NBA benches and was an NBA player, but really coalesced this team last year, got them to buy into the system they were playing. I, Corey, it, to me, they – I just have a lot more questions about them. They're still loaded with talent. But, I I mean, what about you? You can't you, – I don't think you can look at them quite the same way right now. I will say there is an interesting trend happening in the NBA. First-year head coaches, you know, performing pretty well. You know, Yudoka yeah. is an example of that. Frank Vogel, you know, like when he first started going into the Lakers, he had some, you know, nice uh, success yeah. early. Dixon Kidd as well. So I do think uh, – I do think that we, we don't know what exactly could happen. He's been the long, he's been around the organization for a few years now in Missoula. Uh, Marcus Smart seems to have, you know, a big vote of confidence in there. He understands the system. He understands what it means to be a Boston Celtic. Um, that's all good and well. I do think that this team, since they started off the season horribly, I mean, you and I remember this. Yes. The Celtics were not good pre-All-Star break. They were just not yeah. good. And then they went from being a middling team, 500 or sub 500, to then be going on this tear that I thought was a tear and ended up they just ripped the whole book out, you know, burned it and then threw it outside the window. I was like, this is, it's over. You know, the Celtics are like one of the best teams in the NBA. It's a new era. Um, I think that that alone brought this team together. And as long as Jason Tatum, who is, you know, the head there, he's the head dog, he's the alpha. If, you know, he says, look, I absolutely believe that we can win the championship still then I think that there's still hope there uh, because the team dynamic, I think, uh, is still strong. So yeah. I, I do think it's not going to be as big of a drop as, as we are expecting. I, there might be early, though. Remember, they're also now out. Robert Williams had his knee operated on again, and they're like two to three months this time. Like He's going to be out for a bit. That Look, part of what helped that midseason turnaround was – giving him more minutes, putting him in the middle, right? Like making him a defensive anchor for them along with, you know, look, Marcus Smart won defensive player of the year, but they were almost a tag team of perimeter and paint and not having Robert Williams out there to start the season. It's just, if they get off to a slow start again, it's going to, I think it's just going to be tougher to rally this time around. We'll we'll see. I agree with you there. I I agree with you. I 100% agree. But if Robert Williams can, can get healthy, if they take the approach that we always use, like the gold standard, right? Uh, currently, it's the Warriors. If they take the approach that the Warriors did with Clay or any of their guys yeah. who get injured, look, take your time. We'll wait until January. You know, it's okay. And then yeah. Clay comes back, they win the championship. If they, if Robert Williams, because remember there was a time in, in the playoffs when during these seven game epics, I mean, it was like, yeah. it was like watching four hour movies like every week. It's like, I need to take a break. These seven game seasons are so long, Kurt. Uh, Having Robert Williams for the entirety of that postseason healthy, I think would be huge for this team. Um, and I'd much rather them do something like the Warriors with Clay than do what they did last year. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, I agree. And and they he and he pushed through this and then was asked about it this time and, and said, Look, I got to play in the finals. I'm not not I'm going to do that. I'm going to push through. But sometimes there's a price for that. And hopefully, hopefully he bounces back and literally bounces back the same guy because his explosion in and rim protection, like I said, is is up there near the top of the league. He might have been one of my favorites to win Defensive Player of the Year before the injury. So, I mean, it's pretty pretty amazing to think two players right on the same yeah. team, uh, right there in the conversation all season long. There towards the sorry to the end of the season. Now, I, I want to bring your attention to another situation, Phoenix. We talked about Robert Sarver, uh, and we kind of did the premonition here that uh, seeing the Atlanta Dream, what happened in WNBA. There was an inkling that 
it was going to happen with Phoenix as well. And that's exactly what happened. But the timeline was far faster than I think any of us expected. Within a week, um, Robert Sarver went from being a one-year suspension, which was the second longest in NBA history, Adam Silver said during his press conference, just for context, and the maximum fine was $10 million, um, going a week later to selling both the Suns and the Mercury. Um, one of the most vocal opponents of uh, the initial decision was Chris Paul, the franchise player for the Phoenix Suns. Now, since the dust has kind of settled um, and we know the team's being sold and that's out of the way before the season starts, uh, what do you think about this Phoenix Suns team? Do you think they can overcome the adversary, adversity and, and move forward with a championship? Boy, I'm glad they've got Monty Williams at the helm because they're, this isn't the only adversity they're facing, right? Like, And this is, again, sort of like, sort of like the Celtics in the sense that, like, as names come up for who could be buying the team, like this isn't something that's static. It is going to keep coming up. It's going to keep being an issue. It's possible they're sold before the end of the season. It's there's just a lot of moving parts there, and it makes it it makes it an ongoing distraction. But remember, they, Jay Crowder is not in training camp with them right now. He is out demanding a trade, which they have to look for. Um, and then you've got DeAndre Ayton, who. Corey, I think you saw this video. He, um, let, let's say he didn't look thrilled with his contract and the situation upon his return. I mean, how could you be in that scenario? No, no. I, I, I think I think you're I think you're onto something. Like the 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 discontent, the layers of discontent in Phoenix yes. are deep on that bench, and um, and it is fascinating to me to see, especially Jay Crowder. I did not expect this in the sense. I know that we were expecting, you know, him to. You, you've been telling me. The past few months that's going to happen but i'm saying as far as like the the idea like especially with his tweet saying you know you want to go play where you're where you're wanted yeah. uh, from being one of the key cogs just a couple years ago to going into transitioning more into a bench role um when the younger players started really playing well that to me was kind of antithetical to what i had seen from jay crowder you know just different teams he's been on to me he's always kind of been like the team first player you know, so that I was surprised to see that. And then DeAndre Aiden not understanding. I understand he, he's deviating from the jovial attitude he normally has and treating this like a business trip. I get that. But I also I don't know if he fully understands the situation that like he's in understanding, like being the number one overall draft pick or, you know, being a target, not, not the, being a, a top draft pick and then coming into this uh, with all his peers signing these massive extensions. And then he has to reset his value. This is, you know, it's, it's, you're going to have to be a great teammate, you know, it's yeah. like you don't want to repeat the same mistake that Kyrie repeat is doing right now in Brooklyn, for instance, you know, where, so it's just, it's just, I don't, I don't understand what's happening in the locker room there. And this yeah, is all yeah. under the purview of Chris uh, Paul, which is shocking too. Yeah. And, and Chris Paul, and I mean, among your concerns, if you're a Suns fan is Chris Paul turns, I think 38 this season, which is, that's something, right? Like it's um, the Aiden thing is just look back. It's kind of what Crowder said, right? Like you want to be wanted, you want to feel needed, and I'm not sure he felt that. I'm not sure that they handled that part of this right. And it's a weird thing to say about a guy who just signed a nine-figure extension, right? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, true. It's true. It's true. That's a, that's a whole lot of money, uh, generational wealth, and so yeah, you're wanted, but I don't. You know, he wasn't recruited. He, he wasn't told he's getting a larger role in the offense, which I think he actually will get some of this year. He's not feeling it. And I, 
I would be more down on this team if it didn't have Monty Williams as coach and Chris Paul, because I think they're the two guys who can write this ship emotionally. Uh, and there's plenty of time to do it. We're, you know, you, it's a long season. This is a good team that's going to win a lot of games and obviously be in the playoff mix, even in a deep West. And so it's a matter of having this thing working when it, when it matters, you know, late in the season and into the playoffs, but they've got some work to do. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that Boston is going to be okay. I think they're going to be in actually okay versus the other teams, you know, as, as far as expectations are concerned. Uh, and I think that Phoenix is going to be um, not okay. I, I think they're going to take a little bit of a dip. To me, oh, I think we may have seen the best basketball from Phoenix just a couple of years ago. I think it's starting to get a little too unstable, and it's starting to really concern me. And I think that, um, especially now with this idea of a new, the introduction of a new ownership, Kurt, um, we saw this happen in Utah. Like this is not like we don't have to go back in history here. I feel like if this, if you say, okay, this is the roster we had, and we just signed Devin Booker to this massive extension. You know, we got DeAndre Aiden back. You know, uh, we have Chris Paul for like you said, a couple more years maybe, and we got close. We got to the finals, and then what happened around that? I think you're going to start seeing more pieces get peeled off. You know, not just Jay Crowder, and then especially if you get new ownership. And they might take a different route with it. And I, I saw, I think it's going to be an interesting time. This is like a big year for Phoenix. And I don't think they're going to perform as well as we expect. Um, that's my take. No, I, I, I'm with you. I think that they're primed for a step back a little bit. And also, even if they're just as good as they were last year or two years ago, like the West is better. I just, they still won 64 games last year. I still think this is a really good team, but are they, are they going to beat the Clippers or the Warriors or the Nuggets in a playoff series? I'm, I'm not convinced. Or, or the Mavericks. Um, or the Mavericks. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You, you were at training camp. And uh, you, so you were at media day. And, I, and I'd yeah. love to just kind of get your first thoughts. Well, how was the Lakers media day? It seems like out of all the media days, the LA Lakers with LeBron seems like the one you would want to be at. Uh, yeah, it was that or Brooklyn. Those were the two where it was going to be. It was going to be a show. You know, it, it's it's performance art as much as anything else. Like, everybody knows what the questions are going to be. Everybody kind of knows what they're going to get asked. And so it's, you know, we, we I think Ben Simmons got a lot. Look how good he's looked, you know, at media day. And, and he did the J.J. Redick podcast and sounded calm and ready for the season. And that's, hey, that's great. And I think the Lakers were good at that. You know, everybody – Darvin Ham kept preaching defense and toughness and you're not going to play if you don't play defense. And Russell Westbrook said he was fully committed to defense. And Anthony Davis said he wants to play 82 games this year. Good luck with that one. Uh, I, I bet the under on that one. <laughs> um, but everybody says all the right things. Everybody's optimistic. And frankly, everybody, Corey, I mean, you've, you've, you've played football at a high level. You know, you go into training camp. That is the best you are going to feel those first two days all season long, man. That's true. You feel okay. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're right. There's this rebirth of hope every, it's like, it's the most beautiful thing where everyone just seems like so full of hope at that moment. And then it just kind of all goes downhill for the vast majority of teams. <laughs> but it's true, you know, it, one thing that that's kind of stood out to me, actually, before we get there, I would love to know, um, what are you find most exciting heading into this training camp? Uh, where are your eyes going? Which teams? Uh, there's a few teams that I'm interested in um, that I think, I mean, I think the most intriguing team for me this year, the team I'm going to watch the most is or have an eye on a lot is New Orleans. I think the Pelicans are a fascinating team. And I don't know, I don't want to steal if you were going to take this. Zion's showing up and looking in shape. And yeah, he can dunk, but he's dunked all the Instagram dunks are like his, they're paying the bills for him right now, right? And for Nike. Um, but he looks good. Now, does that translate? Maybe we'll see. Does he get back to being the borderline all NBA player? He was the one season he really kind of was able to play a lot of games. We'll see how he fits with all this. We'll see. But I think that's a him being in shape on a team that made that late season push. I just think that's a potentially very good and just fascinating team in New Orleans. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be really interesting. I uh, I don't understand all the hype. I'm with you. I don't understand all the hype about, you know, the training videos and like dunk videos. Personally, um, I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but it's neither here nor there. You know, I'm more about performance and like basketball, like playing yeah. games, winning games, winning championships. That's kind of where my focus is. Um, I do think the one thing that because LeBron James, you know, the way that he plays, it, it's so hard to find comps for Zion. But one thing I love about Le LeBron, uh, and I think you tweeted this, you know, this idea of, well, my best, like my focus of my career is being available. And yes. I think that it's, that's one thing that Zion um, and all these young guys, generally speaking, I think Anthony Davis is another great example of this, but Zion really needs to, to learn what LeBron learned a long time ago. Because LeBron's style of play, one would argue, is not sustainable. And yet you know, despite all odds, like he has been available for nearly two decades, right? And I think that is a really interesting, it's, it's almost miraculous in a sense. And I think that's one of the great testaments to his legacy is, is how do you remain available for your team? Um, and if Zion can figure that out, then I, that New Orleans team is going to go from, you know, eight, nine to like four-ish, you know, like it's going to take a huge jump. Um, but the available question, number one in my mind. I completely agree. Availability is the big question. And he not only just showed up in shape, but he talked about not only his workout regimen, but also food. Like Larry Nance, I don't know if you got this, Larry Nance Jr. had the best line, tell, said he, he told Zion, your body's a Lamborghini. You got to stop using the cheap gas. <laughs> you got to take care of yourself. And I think it's kind of spot on. Like I know he is, I, I've heard the reports and then probably a lot of people listening to the reports. He was not exactly eating well. And if you're not going to eat well, New Orleans is a city to be in. It's a great city if you're not going to worry about what you're eating, man. But at some point, he seems to be taking care of himself and focusing on that. Being available means a lot of work into your body at the NBA level. And so we'll see. Uh, you know, again, we're all optimistic. I just I find them intriguing and him intriguing and, and a guy under some pressure this year because he got the – Corey, he got the max. He got the big contract. Now you got to go live up to it. Yeah, and we talked about this before. I think New Orleans would have been foolish to not – I mean, even if he never plays for them. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking 
you, you have a one name kind of guy like a Serena, a LeBron, you know, like they, people yeah. know Zion is not Zion Williamson, just Zion. You know, if you have that kind of draw, you, you better sign. That's just business. That's good business. Sign the guy for as much money as it takes and, and get people looking at New Orleans. Uh, but I, I you mentioned uh, looking good, feeling in the best shape of their life. What do you think about James Harden? How did he look? He's lost 100 pounds, man. <laughs> yeah, he was joking about that, but he did look thinner. He did look good. Um, I think, look, I think he's going to have a really great regular season. I think he's, I think he realizes that his legacy kind of hangs now. Like that, that, and, and it sort of implies to Embiid too, but like that Phoenix team is now stacked. I mean, Phoenix, a Philadelphia team, sorry, is now stacked, right? Like their weakness in terms of defensive issues and depth, um, like two way players, Credit Daryl Morey, DeAnthony Melton this summer, and Daniel House, and most importantly, P.J. Tucker. That's guys who can do it on both ends in big moments. Like That team is poised, and I think there's a lot of pressure on James Harden's second round and beyond to play like an MVP in the playoffs, something he hasn't done. We're a long way from that. I think he's going to have a really great regular season. This is the moment. You know, when you look at someone's career, um, yeah. you look at – maybe years seven through 10, right? Yeah. That's kind of, it seems like is this is like the secret sauce of, okay, lightning has struck. Like you're going to, like, especially when you're the franchise, I'm talking about when you're the franchise player, yeah. you know, like that's when you kick it into the next year and you win a championship, right? Uh, so to me, Joel, Joel Embiid's right there. Like this is, I think, he, he, this is season nine, I think for him, right? Yeah, I'll, so I'll, give, you, I'm gonna, I'll give you a hint uh, or preview because I'm not doing this for a few weeks. I think I'm picking him to win MVP this year. Wow. I mean, it's like, because he was knocking, he's knocking on the door. You know, he's been knocking on the door the past few years now. And and I think he's starting to understand, like, in the NBA, it's like most things in life. You have to fail <laughs> many times before you get to that spot. And, you know, being able to be <laughs> second or third consistently, now you know what it takes to be an MVP. And we're seeing him elevate his, his game every single time, uh, every single year. So I do think this is, like, the critical moment. You know, if... Embiid is going to be the franchise player who takes the 76ers to the next spot. We're here. We're in the year nine, year 10, year eight. That's, this is the window uh, yeah. that great players get it done. So uh, I, in that sense, my eyes go to Philadelphia and not for Harden, but for Embiid. Yeah. I no, I think that's legitimate. I think I, I don't think if you're Embiid or Harden for that matter, you just don't have an excuse anymore, right? Like this team is absolutely good enough if you're good enough. And what about Brooklyn? Because we heard, I mean, there was, it seems like drama, you know, yeah. is the words. We're not talking about the Bucks, for instance. We're not talking about the Warriors. You know, like the, the most like drama that comes out of Milwaukee is like Giannis's dad jokes. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's not even drama. That's just fun. You know, so it's almost like those are the teams that, and, and the biggest drama out of Miami is Jimmy Butler's hairstyle, you know. But like for, the, for Brooklyn to have that, this much talent, and it's kind of like, it's almost as though it's like musical chairs, but it's like everyone somehow found their spot again. And it's like, hmm, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this team, this configuration at the current moment. Uh, what do you think about what Steve Nash said about, you know, Kevin Durant and how and, and them hashing things out and, and Kyrie's recent comments as well? Yeah, everybody's saying the right things. Everybody, you know, again, it's, it's media day. Everybody knew the questions were coming. They're like, hey, I want to be here. We want to win. And there's pressure on Kyrie Irving. This year, he's, a, he's in a contract year. He found out 
the hard way that the market for him wasn't what he thought it was. The Lakers are still interested. There will be other teams interested if he goes out and has – I mean, Corey, guy's fully capable in all-NBA season, right? Like, he's – I mean, he is capable of being a top-six guard in this league this season easily. Not – you know, I mean, he's that good. So I think that that part of it is there. There's some pressure. I'm just – all right, back to the Lakers for half a second. Patrick Beverly was – really honest at one point in the press conference. I don't think this got enough play. He came out and said, Lakers weren't mentally strong last year. I felt, we felt like we could break their will and beat them. Like they weren't, when adversity hit them, they weren't going to bounce back. And that is what Darvin Ham has to change. That's what Patrick Beverly feels he has to change in LA. It was very much the same thing in Brooklyn, wasn't it? Like it was not that hard to break them mentally. Has that changed? I guess that's the question. Like, they're going to win some games because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are awesome. But when that team hits adversity, what happens, Corey? They turn to the bench for leadership, and I think that's the issue. You know, like, when you, when you have – this is this is one – the Kevin Durant's comments recently uh, kind of blew my mind, you know. Uh, not as much as Barbara Streisand and Funny Girl. I wasn't <laughs> no, no. an hour and a half. That's a whole new level of mind-blown. But I, my mind was was blown, and I was a little disappointed in the sense that um, when I was following Kevin Durant, because I mean, he went to Texas, you know, like I'm a huge yeah. like he's like like I'm from Texas, like my brother went to school there, like I followed him for a long time, and it seemed as though last year was the year that I saw him take a step forward as far as leadership is concerned, right? From being like one of the top assassins in the game of like a, you know, a hired gun uh, where you can just join the team, be finals MVP, you know, be, be like an unbelievable scorer, be an unbelievable player, a hall of famer on any team you want um, to being a franchise player in the sense of like what we see like a Steph Curry being, or, you know, like a, what Luca is becoming is blooming into but what Giannis is, you know, like a guy that you can build a team around um, and be the voice of a team and to set the culture of that team it seemed like he was starting to fill that space, especially in the in the absence and void of Kyrie Irving. And then this year to start it off, first of all, this offseason uh, frightened me because that was like a deviation of what a franchise player would do. And then the second thing, which is jump ship when you don't think the team is going to you know, do well after yeah. signing an extension. That's like you don't do that as a franchise player. The second thing is that um, the comments he made of, uh, of saying, look, like I've been on championship teams. And when the star players are out or there's an injury or whatever, people deal with injuries, um, the team finds a way to win. And, you know, people like Golden State have done that. But when we lost 10 or 11 in a row, you know, that, that was concerning to me. It's like, well, that you're the franchise guy. You you were the one who's supposed to fill the void there and bring everyone up, right, and encourage the team not sit there and take notes and be like, ooh, it's not looking good for us. <laughs> Maybe I should look elsewhere to take my talents. You know, so that was a big step back, I think, in terms of leadership for Brooklyn. And Kyrie Irving, like you mentioned, he's in a contract here. I think he understands the market um, now. Like, it's very sober. It's very blunt. And I think it's not necessarily like what's best for Brooklyn. It's like, you know, I need to play well if I want to keep playing basketball, uh, you know, and get paid the amount of money that I think I deserve. I think there's going to be a huge leadership void in, in Brooklyn again. And I, I mean, unless somebody changes. And right now, it doesn't seem like Kyrie is going to change. It doesn't seem like KD is stepping that in that direction. And I think you're going to see a similar a scenario this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I Look, I think ultimately my my feeling on Brooklyn is they're going to be a good team. But push comes to shove at the end of the year against 
the potential of Boston. You know, we talked about them, but Milwaukee is going to be very, very good. Like we can go down the list. Miami, you know, Miami's going to get everything out of the guys they've got. Philadelphia, are they really? Are they ready to push through to win against those guys? And I'm, I'm just not. I'm not convinced when adversity hits them this season. By the way, I don't know if there's a team with more train wreck potential. <laughs> like you could, if you told me the wheels had come off this thing by Christmas and they're trying to trade everybody, you'd be like, yeah, that could happen yeah. too. I mean, yeah, it's not even, and that's that's another thing that is just so shocking to me. It's not, it would not be surprising. No, it would not be surprising. You know, I, I want to get your take on um, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers because I know you're high on the Clippers. I know you think I'm very so, high. On the Clippers. So why are you so high on the Clippers? Incredible depth to get them through the regular season. Um, yes, they've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back and healthy, and they are going to need those guys. I'm a big believer in jumping way ahead to the playoffs. I'm a big believer in teams with elite two-way wings being a real problem in the postseason. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown proved that for the Celtics last year. I think Kawhi Leonard healthy, peak Kawhi Leonard or close to it, and Paul George are a better version of that. Um, And then that team is just surrounded with versatile. You want to go big? We've got Zubac. You want to go small? We'll space you out with Markeith Morris. We've got Luke Kennard, who might struggle to make the rotation. Point guards, we can go. John Wall is in there. And um, Reggie Jackson now. Like, they just have. Rejuvenated John Wall. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just think that team has the versatility and depth to get through the regular season. I mean, they were, they, they were you know, the eighth seed last year with no Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being – I think he played like a third of the season, give or take. I don't, I don't remember the number of games, but like he didn't play that much. And they were still, because of their depth, like just tough to beat night after night. I think they're very much a lunch pail team that's going to be win a, look, I don't think they're focused on the regular season in the sense that like they've got to get, they know they got to, there's a lot of load management with Kawhi and Paul George, but they're deep enough that they're going to be good this year. And, and Leonard just being there at the start of the year, to me, this is one of the. To me, this is the probably. I don't know if it's the team to beat. The Warriors are the team to beat in the East, West until proven otherwise. Um, they are. They are. You know, they bring back a core that has four championships and they won it last year. You've got to beat the Warriors, but I think the Clippers are the one team capable of reaching that level. And, and the Warriors also have a promising young talent that con- I mean, promising young talent that continues to get better and better and better. So I think the Warriors are by far in the best position. I, I will say. Um, the, the Dallas Mavericks, to me, I think could take another quantum leap. Uh, obviously, Luca. Um, but one thing that I, I find really interesting is that pairing. You saw it in the WNBA, right, with Kelsey Plum and Becky Hammond, right? And, and it's just yes. like the perfect pairing for that ended up in 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 a, in a championship, you know, because you already had Asia, you already had that uh, Asia Wilson, but that Kelsey Plum, and you already had Chelsea Gray, which is like. that woman is so clutch like i want her on my team every time i mean yeah she she's clutch 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 but the thing that jason kidd i thought brought to luca um which is really rare in any profession but especially professional sports is mentorship right You, you have a hall of famer who can teach you and guide you and be your coach that's what i thought steve nash and Kyrie would have right that's what i thought uh Actually, you, you kind of saw that as well with um, Steve Kerr 
and and Steph to a certain extent too. Like what a beautiful pairing that was. You saw Coach Popovich and Tony Parker, you know, and Tim Duncan. Like there's always that like that 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 really strong bond between that coach and player. And you're starting to see that I think flourish in Dallas. And I think it's one of the best things for for Luca. And if it's good for Luca, I think it's good for the team. And we're starting to see that that play out. I will say though, without Jalen Brunson, what do you think? Uh, how do you think Dallas will fare? First off, I, I'm with you on Luca. I, I think he's going to have a monster season. Like like every season he had. I'm like I don't know what the next level from where he's been is, but but I mean the other part of it, he's admitted his conditioning hasn't been where it needed to be. I mean outside of the oh I've worked out all off you know the Instagram videos and working out all offseason. He's coming out of Eurobasket, where he has played deep into Eurobasket, leading his country like that. It's kind of like the guys coming out of the Olympics last year, Draymond and some guys just kind of came in on a high, came in, fired up and played great at the start of season. I don't think we're getting the Lucas slow start this year. I think he is hot out of the gate. Um, the Brunson thing worries me more. The, worries me more than some people, though. I mean, I think that, look, they, they've done some good stuff. Christian Wood. I like a lot, and I think he brings something inside. They get Tim Hardaway Jr. back for most of the season, hopefully. Um, they didn't really have him last year, but in this league, especially against the, the good teams, I can load up defensively on Luka, and Luka's still going to get his. I'm just going to make it really difficult on him. I, I'm going – you've got to have that – look, you've got to have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday next to Giannis Antetokounmpo or you don't win a ring. I just don't know where that is for Luca right now. They've got a lot of nice players. I expect him to be phenomenal. I think they'll have a really strong regular season. I just, I'm not sure they're quite, Brunson really took a load for them and, and played fantastically when Luca was out, but also his threat as a secondary playmaker. I'm just not sure where they, how they replace that right now. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting. I think they're in the lower building phase, just like the Celtics were for a while there, you know, yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind of where, where Dallas is. But still, I think it's going to be a, a big leap forward for them. Now, one thing that you know you and I were very excited to talk about, uh, the NBA and the NBA PA, sorry, the NBA and the NBPA, excuse me, uh, are looking to change the, the draft age from 19 to 18, which in theory would welcome high school players back into yeah. the league. Uh, some top of the best high school players to come straight, you know, uh, to the league, LeBron, Kobe, KG, Kevin Garnett, uh, T-Mac, Jason McGrady, Dwight Howard, Amari Stoudemire, among others. Uh, what do you think about this development? Is this good? I think I think it's fair. Um, and I, I just think by the time you're 18 and, and an adult in the eyes of the law or whatever you want to phrase this, um, I just – I think you should have the option of going into your profession – uh, as opposed to having to take a take, frankly, for a lot of players, take a gap year and play for either a college team or overseas. Or now with the G League, the G League at night is going to be stacked this year with, with Scoot Henderson, like so, or overtime. Who has some guys? Like you've got these all these options, but to me, I think if you're good enough at 18 and I think the end, I will say this. I think the NBA is better prepared for it. I didn't, I think they look what you, who are the guys at the top of the list? You name Kobe, Garnett, LeBron, right? What do they have in common? 
they're incredibly self-motivated. They are driven, confident people who, who were going to succeed at this because they were going to put in the work. I think the league is better ready to develop the second 10, 20 guys on that list that aren't, didn't break through the same way. Um, I think the league is much better at player development now. And, hey, you're going to spend some time in the G League. We've got developmental coaches, which just Jermaine O'Neal did not have that, right? Like it took Jermaine O'Neal a long time to figure out who he was and become a solid NBA player. I think those kind of players get brought along better than they were the first time the NBA had this experiment. And it, and it, it frustrated owners because for a few reasons, but among them was they felt it was a real crapshoot. It was a real hit or miss with these guys. I think they're better positioned to bring those guys along now. I mean, how do you feel about it though? They're definitely an infrastructure definitely exists now in the NBA. And I think that this is a reaction to reality, not to the ideal situation. You know, I think in an ideal situation, you would have great coaches who uh, in college who have time with players four years, five years to be able to build programs, build teams, teach people not just how to play basketball, um, because the way that high school has now been dismantled because of AAU, you know, and like there's yeah. like separate leagues, like you could do overtime, you know, what I'm saying like there's like you, could, you don't even have to play, which is just crazy to me. So like so now that there's semi pro ish, you know, in high school. And it's been like that for a while now. If that's the case, you're going to have wildly disparate levels of coaching. And then you get to, you know, college for one year and it's like, I'm not going to change what I do. You know, it got me here. And then you yeah. just go to the league. What ends up happening is, you know, you have uh, you have to unravel everything and then, you know, teach them the game. They build it back up. In an ideal world, you would have programs um, like we used to have in college where people would learn that skill set, basketball, but they would also learn um what a championship culture looks like and i once again i think the wnba understands this um because like you look at south carolina it's like the perfect perfect yes. example of this don staley she like is the olympic coach <laughs> like the usa basketball hasn't lost i don't think i think they've been undefeated since 06 you know what i'm saying like this team, like the olympic, the olympic coach is your college coach they're always championship contenders you know, like who are the people you could reach out to to learn about, you know, like to mentor you? It's like Asia Wilson, who's yeah. like one of the best players in the in, in WNBA and on the Olympic team. And then you learn like what it means to be part of a championship team and culture. Then then you could take wherever you end up landing, you know. And so that doesn't exist in men's basketball right now. So I feel like the NBA is reacting to the, the practical realities of the money is such that we just need to get kids early and just let them get into our systems early and just kind of like, look, give people an opportunity to learn with us, you know, and kind of like an apprenticeship program, just come to the league and we'll teach you. Don't bother, you know, uh, doing that route in college. I think that's bad for the game, but I understand it's the reality given the, you know, the, yeah. the market. Would you, would you rather see something where, I mean, I've always been more a fan of, and it's, it's not going to happen. I've always been a fan of what's technically a lot of people call the baseball rule, which is, Either enter the NBA, but if you don't at 18, but if you don't, you have to spend, I think in baseball, is it three years, two or three years in college? Because I think this hurts the college game in the sense that you've got to go get these one and done guys. That's the most talented players. But what are you building with your program if they're not there? If the guy's not there, two, three, I mean, and every, look. Kentucky has some guys who play four years. Don't get me wrong, but 
if you don't have guys there a couple of years to build their brand, and it's a little different now because you're, I can build well, my brand. I can build, I, my, I can build my brand online, right? I can I'm I can be king of Instagram and and, and be um, Ronnie James, frankly. Who I don't want to take anything away as a player, but like he's a brand. He already exists. He's going to make a lot of licensing money regardless. Yeah, like the ball, the ball brothers were probably like, you know, a great example yeah, of that. Yeah. But but you know, but I, I will say this though, I would disagree. I, I think it's gonna have a counterintuitive impact on college basketball because right now you have people who think they're good enough to play in the NBA, who have to go to college and then are trying to, you know, find that destination at the league at all costs, right? I think if you open up the floodgates and understand that there is this idea of like, okay, well, we can we can train you ourselves if you're good enough, if you're actually good enough, then I think you're gonna take a lot of that interest away. You know, and then if people kind of like fall back to college, I think that's one thing. And maybe they say, I'm going to yeah. try again next year. I'm going to try again next year. But I think you're going to find people see like there are two different paths here. You know, you're going to have people who like, OK, maybe in three or four years, I'll be good enough to to make the NBA. But my route is college. And, I, and I, you know what I'm saying? And I think you're going to see more, I, hopefully a little more stability in college because of that. That's personally that's my take. I, I think it's going to take some so. time. Though. Also, and by the way, like. And I, I do not remember off the top of my head the exact percentage from last season, but it's in the high teens of players in the NBA who were undrafted, like who did not get drafted and, put, you know, either sometimes immediately, sometimes after spending a year or two in the G League, sometimes after going overseas for a year and coming back, find their way, right? Like I, I think that that exists, and I think um, and I, hopefully, however, they set this up also – allows a player to choose. Look, if, I, if I'm a high school kid and I come out and I get drafted eighth, I'm going. But if I get drafted 50th and I don't have a guaranteed NBA contract, I hope they give that person the option to go either to college or, you know, again, G League or, or overtime or whatever they want to do, but not like, hey, we retain their rights. I think they do this in hockey too. We retain their rights. You can go do whatever you want to do to get ready, because you're right. I mean, if you, if you jump in the league at 50th and then you spend two years in the G league and they decide it's not working and the G leagues, a challenging place to learn. Sometimes um, it, it's, it's, it's a unique environment. Um, it, it's great for some guys and there's great coaching there. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's, if you're a big man and you got a bunch of guards trying to get seen, like it's, it's not an easy place to always be developed. I, I just hope that there's an option for these players to. No. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think I think you're on to, right on the head, uh, Kurt. Because in my mind, you know, if you, I think it's that I don't think that this is like once again it's contrarian. But if you're 18 years old, I think the way that you should be thinking of is the margin for error in the NBA is like this, you know, unless you're Zion, <laughs> you know. So and the fact of the matter is that there's one Zion. So, so if most people understand, you know, which is once again, it's not likely because if you're good enough to be in a position to go to the NBA, you also are, are crazy enough to bet on yourself because that's in the DNA of an athlete. You're willing to go against the odds and do what other people tell you can't do. That's like why you're in that position in the first place. That's the thing that makes you great. But it's also the thing that, that really hinders you. And I think in a lot of ways, but I do think that this idea of, okay, look, what's best for my career if I and it's, if it's going to take me four, you know, two to four years to find my footing in college, I'll be on scholarship. I can still make money, and I won't get cut. 
Yeah. You know, and I still have free agency. I can still go to a different program and find other mentorship opportunities and learning opportunities if this isn't working out. If that, if you go to the league, yeah, you're on a two-way contract. It doesn't work out. Goodbye. You know, it's not like, good luck well, trying to get back. You're, 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 those two-way contracts are disposable. Like guys get cut and picked up out of those all the time. Um, yeah, it's. I hope the other thing the NBA does with this is if what they've started to do with the the sixty-plus guys they invite to the draft combine every year, which is hey, you you get an assessment from a, a group of of. I don't say blind, like they don't tell you who they are, but a group of scouts and front office people. So you find out, hey, you're probably you're probably going to get drafted in the for you know 35 to 45 range, and here's what they're saying about you. So you can make an informed decision, which is not always easy because they're always there are always going to be your friends. There's always going to be people around you. Hey, if you're in this position, you're the best player in your on your AAU team, right? You're the best player, probably. You're probably the best player in, in your high school. You're dominating, and you've got people around you saying, oh, no, you can make this. You can make this work. You got this. I, I hope that they can give these people an honest assessment and say, hey, you're good, but is this a better path for you to kind of open their eyes on these things? Because I, I don't know about you, Corey. I, I wasn't mature like you were when I was 18. I made some questionable decisions. Um, I think that's kind of like one of the things that, that, you know, I think this hopefully will open up the door for people to to really reconsider short-term versus long-term. Like you said, I think if you go to the league, what we're seeing for these young players is that it's actually disastrous for your career if you get there too early, too soon, and that there's so much more room for, for like just, there's so much more room to grow and learn and make mistakes if you go to college. But I don't think people see it that way, which is unfortunate that, you know, you take the money up front instead of, being patient and, 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 and learning later. I, I, we have, we're running out of time. So I want to ask you um, a quick question. Who, one play, one name for each. Uh, who is the most, um, who is the player under the most pressure right now? And who is the coach under the most pressure right now, this season? Coach, uh, Steve Nash, right? Like, because if things start to get weird in Brooklyn, they can't trade. I mean, they can try to trade Durant again. We've been down that road. Like it's Nash. Nash is the fall guy. Um, by the way, his friend across town, Tom Thibodeau, I know Leon Rose came out in the softball MSG inter- interview uh, thing this week uh, and, and said he was everything's good. I, we'll see. I, they've been really patient for a long time with the Knicks. That's not the Knicks' nature, so we'll see how long that lasts. But <laughs> um, player under the most pressure, I mean, I mentioned Zion, but he got paid. Um I think the other interesting and, – and, again, we could name everybody in Brooklyn. Just name a player in Brooklyn and they could be on the list. Uh, but I will throw out uh, the guy was, I will talk about, Anthony Davis with the Lakers. For all the talk about how does Russell Westbrook fit and LeBron breaking – you know, I'll have a story next week on the – LeBron James will, knock on wood, barring anything injury, he should pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the league's all-time leading scorer this year, which is insane. And for all that going on, this Laker team's about Anthony Davis. He has got to return to being all NBA, the guy from the bubble that was hitting mid-range jumpers and was a defensive force of nature. If he's that guy, the Lakers are, I don't think they're knocking off the Warriors, but they're a threat in the West. They are a problem. And the the Lakers have to make a decision. Look Again, LeBron turns 38 this year. At some point, you're transitioning to what's next. Is Anthony Davis what's next? 
or is he not going to be able to carry that load? I, I, and I think this is a big year for him. And to wrap it up, we, we always uh, end up doing uh, really fun segments, you know. So uh, briefly, uh, what is the most fun thing that's come out of training camp for you? Was it Joel Embiid doing the around the world with the soccer skills, the basketball court, or Jimmy Butler's hairstyle? Uh, what what came out that was like, that was a really fun moment? But Butler's hair was the one I didn't expect. Like, I did not see that coming. And um, I – you know, I'm not a guy to talk about extensions because you have to have something to extend off of. I mean, so I'm not in this conversation. But, like, I, that was the one I, I know there had been photos, but I just, you know, and I'm not, I think he said he's not going to keep it that way for this season, but I, I loved it. I thought it looked awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think it's just funny how he, like his quote was, I'm just messing with stuff to make the Internet mad. That was my goal this summer, <laughs> and it worked. I mean that that's where we are in the off season in the NBA. It's like let's just see like how can we make the internet mad, uh, <laughs> which is just funny to me. Um, you can you can catch all the latest NBA news articles and everything Kurt and his team is working on at NBCSports.com/NBA. And we got a lot of stuff to cover in the next couple of weeks as preseason starts on Friday. Uh, the games overseas as well, which is something that I'm excited to see. Uh, yeah, but, always, fun. always fun. Yeah, it's always fun to grow the game. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to you. And I can't wait until next time, Kurt. I look forward to it. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.